And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of weed by your bed. <laughs> Jelly Wings, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! <laughs> I will find proof. <laughs> I'm very easily startled, Mr. Finkelman. I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. (laughs) I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, welcome to Medical Stuff. My name is Mark. I can't stop pooping blood, Frankum. And that is Chris. You should see a doctor about that, Finkston. How you doing, man? (laughs) I'm... You know, I was good. <laughs> I was doing okay. Oh, uh, that's what you get for missing a week. The, the, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Yeah, I asked for it. It's fine. So, um, just because I know, I'll, I'll catch everybody else up, but because I know Chris listened to last week's episode because hmm. he wouldn't not listen to the episode. Oh, I would not listen to my own podcast? Are you kidding? Right. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. one that you were absent for. You would want to make sure that the standards were yeah. being maintained and that, you know, Well, and if I'm going to pick up on the sequel after that gripping cliffhanger that you left. Right. Um, <laughs> I need to know where we're at. And it's not right. like you just told me about that cliffhanger before we started. I no, knew. No, well, I didn't have to. Yeah, I didn't right. have to because exactly. I knew you were there. I was a little so. insulted, actually, that you did mention it. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously, I, I mean, obviously, I would know. Well, in that case, do you want to give the recap? Yeah. So uh, last week, we talked about uh, medical stuff, <laughs> and there's tummies involved. <laughs> so we went over esophageal varices. Right. And we got about halfway through ulcers. And gotcha. we left on the cliffhanger of when ulcers fail to heal. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so peptidases that uh, don't heal with treatment are called refractory ulcers. Yes. So there's They're, a lot. Go ahead. So there's a lot. Like, I walk into this as if I'm really part of this at this point. It's <laughs> Anyway, so there are actually a lot of reasons why an ulcer uh, may fail to heal, uh, including not taking medications according to directions. That's going to be a huge one. And there's a but, brief tangent. If you have it. <laughs> what? If on you, this show? Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you have a disease and your doctor says, here, take these medications, take the fucking medications. According to the instructions. According, yes. According, <laughs> don't just like go home and like shotgun them. That's not going to work that way. But uh, well, I, I had a friend who uh, her husband was supposed to take, oh, was he taking, I think like prednisone. I was supposed to take one every eight hours. So three times a day. Mm-hmm. So he decided to take three once a day. Apparently, that causes problems. Oh, goodness. <laughs> there's a reason you should go to a doctor. Anyway, so there's also the fact that some types of H. pylori are resistant to antibiotics. That's another reason why an ulcer may fail to heal. And regular use of tobacco is actually going to make it hard for your ulcers to heal. Also, regular use of bleh, regular use of pain relievers, NSAIDs, aspirin, uh, that increase the risk of ulcers uh, as well are going to cause some issues. So less often, though, refractory ulcers may be the result of extreme overproduction of stomach acid, such as that that occurs in Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. Uh, an infection other than H. pylori can cause this problem. Stomach cancer, other diseases that may cause ulcer-like sores in the stomach and the small intestine, like Crohn's disease, which I believe we're going to talk about later in this episode. Maybe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of so, info in this episode, I will tell you that. Do you, do you think that H. pylori could be Hugh pylori? 
who played uh, this sounds Dr. Like- House. Oh, really? Yeah. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah. gotcha, 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 gotcha. And gotcha. you know, he probably caused some ulcers, some stress ulcers in his boss, female doctor. I can't remember her name on the show now. Ooh, Cuddy. Yes, Dr. Cuddy. Cuddy. That's it. Yeah. That was such so, a good yeah, show. So, yeah, you think this is the ages for Hugh and his huge pi- uh, Hugh Pylori? Could be. It could be. I'm going to go with <laughs> probably not, but it could be. Oh, speaking of names, uh, I went and visited a friend today. And I will tell you the story in a bit, but it's... I thought I was your only friend. It's fucking funny. You're my only real friend, this person I pay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so there are other diseases that can cause... Right. So treatment for refractory ulcers is generally going to involve eliminating those factors that we mentioned that may interfere You're with You're tell the, the friend story now? I'll tell in a bit. Okay, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Building the suspense. Or foreshadowing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, treatment for refractory ulcers <laughs> is generally going to involve eliminating those factors that may interfere with the healing, along with using some different antibiotics. So, that is the problem with antibiotics, is bacteria can actually get, we've talked about this many times, but bacteria can essentially evolve uh, to where it's not impacted by one type of antibiotic. So they may try and use a different type of antibiotic to get at it. Uh, but again, if you're not taking the medication properly when you're getting it, uh, you might just end up with a much, much worse disease. So if you have a serious complication from an ulcer, like acute bleeding or a perforation, perforation, by the way, is a hole, like a hole in your uh, bowel, Mm-hmm. You may require surgery. However, uh, surgery is needed far less often than previously because of the many effective medications that we have that are available today. So lifestyle, home remedies. Uh, you may find relief from the pain of a stomach ulcer if you choose a healthy diet. So choose a diet that's full of fruits, especially with vitamins A and C, vegetables, and whole grains. Not eating vitamin-rich foods may make it difficult for your body to heal your ulcer. Now, I'm going to go off on a brief tangent here. Um, there was a brief, um, which I feel like I said this less than a minute ago. Uh, for a while, there was this thing where people were taking an excessive amount of vitamins, like getting like 6,000% their daily. And it's like, yeah, it's this movement. Here's what we've actually proven about uh, vitamins and minerals. Your body has, will accept X amount. Everything else gets peed off. Mm-hmm. So what you no. want is, so really you need to eat vitamin rich foods to maintain a level. And what it is, is vitamin deficiencies have some data behind them that show vitamin deficiencies cause problems. Excess vitamins won't help anything more. All it no. does is your body's going to say, yeah, I don't need this and pee it off. <clears throat> well, your body on many levels is very bad at like storing stuff for the lean times. Right. It just gets rid of it. I mean, unless you're talking right. about like carbs being stored, you know, or Krebs cycle storing stuff into fat. Right. But uh, yeah, like vitamins and minerals, if it doesn't need them, it doesn't need them. It just gets rid of them. So uh, consider foods containing probiotics. So these include yogurt, aged cheeses, uh, miso, and sauerkraut. And then consider eliminating milk. Sometimes drinking milk will make your ulcer pain better, but then later cause excess acid, which increases pain. So talk to your doctor about drinking milk. Do you know why it does those things? Oh, I think we talked about this before, and I want... when you drink the milk, it coats your stomach yeah. so that it covers up that area. But the problem is, is that the uh, lactose and everything in the milk is a very large molecule and takes more acid to break it down. Oh, gotcha. So then it just floods your stomach with more acid. Right. And then the milk goes away and now you just have a bunch of acid left. So when it says talk to your doctor about drinking milk, is you, are you looking for like uh, tips on like physically drinking it? Like, you know, should yeah, I chug d- it? Should I sip it? Should I? Do I drink from the far side of the cup? Right. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> Doc, I need help, man. I need help. <laughs> I keep spilling. Uh, so <laughs> also consider switching your pain relievers. There are pain relievers. Uh, if you do use pain relievers regularly, ask your doctor whether acetaminophen or paracetamol, depending where you are, Tylenol. Ooh, uh, nice yeah. Pill. Yeah. A little mm-hmm. nod to the UK there. Uh, yeah, most of the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little not nod to the US. Uh <laughs> Maybe an, those may be an option for you. So, because Tylenol has less of an impact on uh, making ulcers worse. So, control your stress. Stress can worsen the signs of a symptom, the signs and symptoms of a peptic ulcer. So, consider the sources of, of your stress and do what you can to address the causes. Some stress is unavoidable, but you can learn to cope with stress with exercise, spending time with friends, or writing a journal. Okay, spending time with friends, I got to tell this story. Uh, the other three are don't Did you sp- know the segue was going to happen or are you just no really i just had right i'm now? just overwhelmed with joy um <laughs> the last three by the way are don't smoke limit or avoid alcohol and try to get enough sleep those are all important you should smoke we've got to just stop fucking smoking stop using tobacco yeah period just knock it off it's bad for you uh <laughs> mark used to do it he stopped and if he can stop you can stop Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, anyway <laughs> So, so we're at a friend's house today, Mark, and I don't know if you're going to like this story or not, but it's fucking funny. Uh, it was, uh, it's their birthday a little bit ago. I swung by, drop off a present and, uh, just, they have this giant dog and it's just this big, friendly, good boy. And for some odd reason, we started talking about you and, oh, uh, we had just, just a second, real quick. This never goes well for me. Just so you know. <laughs> this is never like Frankham's a really good guy. I'm glad he's in my life. Never shit like that. Anyway, moving on. Well, it was, it was actually pretty positive stuff. We were talking about the podcast because they'd ask some questions. I'm like, yeah, Frank, I really enjoy doing it. I spent some time with Frank. I mean, he's been a good friend of mine. It actually was positive. And then for some odd reason, I, was a, I, I drank a little bit. And um, I suddenly decided <laughs> that I was going to rename their dog. Uh their dog has a name currently. It's Pepper. Uh, but I decided I was going to rename the dog Frankum. And so <laughs> what I started doing was I had a bag of tortilla chips. And I started feeding the dog tortilla chips. And every time I gave it a chip, I go, Frankum, Frankum. And now when you go near their dog and you say, Frankum, the dog perks up and looks over. <laughs> So it's more of a mix between me and Pavlov. Yeah, essentially. I became your Pavlovian experiment with the dog. I just decided to, I just decided one day that I was going to take these people's dog and rename it to you. Right. <laughs> and now I've decided I'm going to rename every dog I come across this way. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, most is better than most when people start talking about me. Um, I was standing at work with a uh, supervisor at the time, and we were chatting, and somebody comes into the crew room, and they go... Hey, Franken, do you know what? you were? Just, I just saw you walking across the parking lot. Do you know what it made me think of? I look at the soup. I go, this never goes well for me. And he kind of looked at me weird. And I went, what did it remind you of? She goes, Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I don't say anything. I just turn back to him. I go, see, it's never like Tom Selleck or, you know, <laughs> something good. It's fucking Sasquatch. And he starts busting out laughing. <laughs> These conversations never pan out great for me. So... <laughs> Yeah, my sister posted a, a picture of me when I was like nine on Facebook and said, hey, Mark, did you used to be a woman? Oh, nice. Thanks. <laughs> because of my haircut. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know. Anyway, making a doctor's appointment. There you go. Uh, make an appointment with your regular doctor if you have any signs or symptoms that worry you. Uh, always a good ref- always a good choice regardless of what's going on. Right. Uh, your doc- <laughs> yeah, that's, your- <laughs> that's a pretty general thing right yeah. there. Have you been yeah, stabbed just- in the chest? 
<laughs> if you're having substernal crushing chest pain, see a doctor. Please. You know. Uh, your doctor may refer you to a specialist in the digestive system, which is a gastroenterologist. And it's a good day, a good idea to be well prepared for your appointment, like you when you go see your OB-GYN. Uh, here's, <laughs> here's some information to help you get ready. What you can do, be aware of any pre-appointment restrictions. Yes. At the time you make the appointment, ask if there's anything you need to do in advance, such as restrict your diet. Certain medications can affect a peptic ulcer test. So your doctor maybe wants you to stop taking them. He may also suggest uh, alternatives to these drugs. Probably like, you know, vaping. But anyway, um, <laughs> write down any symptoms that you're experiencing. This is a good idea when you go see your doctor for a new thing. Write down questions you want to ask. Because you get in there and the conversation starts flowing and you walk out and you're like, crap, I forgot to ask about that. Or, yeah. oh, I forgot to tell him about that. Because, you know, a lot of times with the conversations with medical people, as you mentioned different things, we want to interrupt you and ask you about more about that specific thing. Or let's face it, men out there, make sure you ask your wives if there's any questions they want you right. to ask. <laughs> exactly. Um, they want to know any, uh, write down any symptoms you're experiencing. As well as any food you're eating, uh, people with peptic ulcers often experience more symptoms when their stomachs are empty. Uh, write down key personal information, like where you kept your keys, uh, including any of that so you can get to the appointment on time, uh, including any of the medical problems, major stresses, or recent life changes. Uh, make a list of all your medications. Again, good idea. Take you to your doctor. It's um, with, especially in here in America with the uh, charting system, a lot of people are using, especially in the area we are. Uh, that's usually able to be pulled over, but it doesn't hurt to take a list with you. Make Add in your vitamins and supplements. Huh? Nothing. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Add in vitamins or supplements that you're taking. It's Check especially it important twice. to know. It's <laughs> especially important to know any pain reliever that you use and the usual dose you take. Then write down those questions for peptic ulcers. Some questions you might want to ask uh, your doctor include what's the most likely most likely cause of the symptoms. What kind of test do I need? How do I prepare for them? Is this a chronic condition? Temporary? You know, I might risk for complications from this condition. Uh, what treatment do you recommend? Uh, if your initial treatment doesn't work, what's the next step? Are there any dietary restrictions I need to follow? And I have other medical problems. How can I ma manage these along with the ulcers now? Can zebras run backwards? That's another question you may want to ask. Yeah. What's the average rainfall in the Amazon basin? Absolutely. Good information. Yeah. Now, a lot of these, may your doctor may go over naturally, but this is why it's good to have a list. So, when you get towards the end of the appointment, it seems like it's winding down, recheck your list of questions and just make sure you've hit all those points. Although, it's funny, from a healthcare provider standpoint, although this is typically our setting, I can just see how distracting it would be if there's a patient sitting there in the conversation, just looking at a list, and then when I say something, they go by and make a check mark. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? And it's like, nothing. Nothing. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> are you grading me right now? Yeah. <laughs> Am I like, under, is this like a... Did I miss any? Is, who are you, really quick? Is my manager here right now? And he's like, <laughs> you're going to report to him when I leave or something? You know. So, your doctor is likely to ask you a number of questions. So, be ready to answer them uh, loudly and very quickly. They like that a lot. Oh, or, we love it when you yell at us as providers. Yeah. Or um, give them, whenever they ask you a question about something recently, tell them stuff that started in 1969. Oh, absolutely. Even if it's not your yeah. history. Well, my husband right. this one time had it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Love that stuff. So what's going on today? Well, you know, back in 1942, I started having this pain. No, yeah, but what made you call today? Right. <laughs> well, I'm getting to that. Oh, Jesus. God. <laughs> Can you get to it now? 
kind of on the clock here. Right. You know, so, uh, when did you, so the, some, th- some things your doctor may ask, when did your symptoms first begin? How are your symptoms uh, or have your symptoms been continuous or intermittent? How severe on a scale of one to 10? And so, uh, rant about the 10 scale. Oh, yes. Be accurate. Okay. Yeah. If you're sitting there playing on your phone and we ask you what, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt in your life, one being no pain at all, how would you rate this pain? You tell me you're a 10 and you're sitting there calmly and you're not sweating and you're playing on your phone. I ain't believing you. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Uh, I had a a partner who wanted to do a study where if you asked somebody how bad their pain was and they told you a 10, you'd stomp on their foot. And at that point, you know, okay, compared to the pain in your foot, how's this pain? Yeah. (laughs) And then if they still answered a 10, you poked them in an eye. Okay, compared to the pain in your eye, how's this pain? (laughs) And if it's still a 10, okay, I'll buy it. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, be honest. It's going to do nothing but help you, you know, if you're just honest about that. 10 scale. Anyway, personal pet peeve there. And here's the thing. You don't need to be 100% accurate in the sense that, because I think a lot of people are like, gosh, I don't know. Is, is it a four? Is it a five? That's not that mm. terribly important. But what we don't want you no. to do is don't don't tell me it's a 10, because then I look at you and I think, are you telling me it's a 10 because you want me to take this seriously in some way, so you're just going to lie, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But if you tell me it's a four or five, that's great. We just really want a starting point so we can tell if what we're doing gets better or worse. Right. And also... Don't pick any number above 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a, I had a guy tell me one time it was a 52. That That's substantially specific. Because by the basis of the 1 to 10 thing, 10 is the highest number, period. Yeah. Because if it's 11, this is now the worst pain you ever felt in your life, so it's a 10. Right. 52? <laughs> so, yeah, for a um, finger that he got caught oh, in a car Jesus. door the day before. And I just remember I looked at my basic training and said, so this is your call. <laughs> wait, wait. He, he got he got it caught the day before in something? He had, uh, he had shut his car door on his finger and it had been caught. Like, he couldn't get his finger out and he couldn't get the door open initially. And he'd been to the hospital and been checked out. And this was the next day and it was still hurting him. Yeah. But a 52 out of 10. I mean, it would be wrong. That would be painful. I get that. Right. But, <laughs> but a 52? <laughs> I mean, no more than a 45, I think, right. personally. <laughs> you know. So, um, uh, great. Now I lost where I want. How severe are your symptoms? Are your symptoms worse when you're hungry? Was there, was, what, if anything, have you been taking to relieve your symptoms? Does anything seem to improve those symptoms? What, if anything, appears to worsen them? Uh, does, do pain relievers, uh, do you take pain relievers or aspirin? And if yes, how often? Do you feel nauseous or vomiting? Or have you been vomiting? Have you ever vomited blood blood or black material? So, blood, you can vomit bright red blood, but you can also vomit coffee ground emesis. And what that is, is that's been blood that's been sitting in your stomach and has been turned this color and consistency by the acids in your stomach. Right? Yes. Yes. And then have you noticed blood in your stool or black stool or black tarry stools? Again, you can have bright red blood in your stool, or if it's passed through your digestive system, it will look like, and it has a very distinct aroma. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went to a senior living center. Now, it was summertime, so the windows were open, but I could smell it when I climbed out of the ambulance. Oh, no good. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it permeates everything. Oh, it's not great. 
So, Chris, how would you prevent this if it were you? So you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to insist we call it Hugh Pylori infection from here. On. <laughs> Hugh Pylori. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you actually cannot prevent an ulcer caused by Hugh Pylori infection. Uh, however, you can reduce your risk by limiting aspirin and anti-inflammatory medicines. So you need to avoid foods, avoid foods that are acidic like orange juice and spicy foods to reduce your discomfort and avoiding caffeine and alcohol. So yeah, coffee and booze out. I am sorry. Um, can you blame it on the uh, 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 alcohol? No. Well, you can, you can also bring it on the caffeine. That song's not as catchy, <laughs> not as catchy. That was, crazy. that was actually the original version. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they were like, mm, no, it didn't test really well working. with the focus groups. It just didn't go. Right. So your doctor will give you an antibiotic <laughs> medicine to treat an, a, a, sorry, a Hugh pylori infection. Uh, so get it right, dude. So this treatment, <laughs> when you're getting treated, uh, you will have to take it for two to three weeks. And your doctor might suggest uh, triple therapy. So this is a combination of an antibiotic and an antacid. Think like Pepto-Bismol. Uh, your doctor might suggest um, medicines to reduce stomach acids as well. I think um, was a Prilosec is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have to take these for up to eight weeks. Several other medicines can be used to help treat ulcers as well. So there's two types of medicines. You have H2 blockers and proton pump inhibitors. These reduce the amount of acid that your stomach will make. Over-the-counter antacid mes- medicine provides temporary relief. Smoking and alcohol make the discomfort worse, by the way, uh, unless you have enough alcohol that you can't feel anything. But the next morning, you're going to be fucking hating it. Um yeah, I did that. Anyway, so in several cases, you may need surgery. Nice try. Uh, you may need surgery. Uh, Mark just tried to text me to make my phone go off, but I'd already put my phone on silent. But now I claim I claim that you were because your children called right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. That you had none for advantage in that one. Yeah, that is that is fair. That is fair. And I'd like to note that the effect is the same. It still interrupts the show. It's just me. Yeah. Uh, so ulcers will get worse without treatment, BT dub. So they can get worse without treatment. So if aspirin and anti-inflammatory medicine irritates your stomach, your doctor may suggest the medicine uh, misoprostol. Miso, misoprostol. Misoprostol. Uh, so. Miso something else, too. Life. If you have an ulcer, <laughs> avoid life. No, if you have an ulcer, avoid the things that make your ulcer pain worse. This seems obvious, but it can be hard, especially when we're mm-hmm. talking about foods. You might look at something and be like, okay, you're always like, oh, it's not spicy. Then you take a bite and you're like, motherfucker, what is your definition of spicy? Because I don't know about you, but seriously, I like spicy food. And I have, I would say, a, which wasn't always the case, but I would say I, I have a higher tolerance for most spicy foods than I would say the average bear. But there are people out there that I swear to God can eat a raw ghost pepper and just be like, is that a Skittle? You know, like, <laughs> that's not me. I like spicy. I actually had a ghost pepper salsa today that was just fantastic. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. But anyway, but if you have an ulcer, try to avoid those things the best that you can. So this is going to mean, like I said, avoiding spicy foods, like we've said before, to avoid alcohol and smoking, avoid smoking all the time if just tobacco in general don't chew it yeah don't dip it don't smoke it don't snuff it yeah uh, <laughs> just stay away from it because snuffing is a big yeah uh copenhagen which is a people usually dip is actually meant to be a snuff or a snus is that what it is the sn snuff yeah uh, or you sniff it up your nose did not know that yeah but i'm good as it says on the copenhagen snuff uh have you ever snuffed tobacco no are you is it snuff or, or like snus? a motherfucker Snuff. S-U-N-F. S-U-S-N-U-F-F. Oh. 
Uh, no, it's uh, I just Googled it, S-N-U-S. Snus is a moist powder smokeless tobacco product originating from the dry snuff in the 18th century Sweden. Hmm. But I wonder if it... So, oh, baby, it's like a... I wonder if it's both. If you type in snuff, your first choice is snuffleupagus. It could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> snuff, S-N-U-F, the first thing that comes up is Urban Dictionary, and the definition is to, and I quote, knock the shit out of someone. To knock some fool's lights out. Uh, but okay. no, you are right. S-N-U-F-F is powdered mm-hmm. tobacco as well. And it is, yeah. so So you have S-N-U-S, which is a specific brand. S-N-U-F <laughs> and S-N-U-F-F are all the same thing. I got to tell you, this is great tummy problems at radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now that we've clarified tobacco products for you, don't use them. Yeah, don't use them at all. Yeah. So anyway, if you have to take aspirin or ibuprofen for chronic pain, talk to your doctor. Uh, they may suggest an alternative. So, and keep your diet balanced. Try eating small and frequent meals when you're having the pain as opposed to the big old large gut bombs that we all love. So. Yes. Let's move on. That is ulcers. That is ulcers. And now kind of a, an easy bridge here is going from ulcers to ulcerative colitis. So. Or, or ulcerative. I always say ulcerative. I've always said ulcerative. Hey, you know what? You did Hugh Pylori, so I'm going to go with ulcerative. <laughs> ulcerative colitis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is an inflammatory bowel disease or an IBD that causes long-lasting inflammation and ulcers So uh, in your digestive tract. So ulcerative colitis affects the innermost lining of your large intestine, the colon, and your rectum. Uh, Damn near killed them. <laughs> I've been waiting all week for that. <laughs> I know you have to. Like I, had- I, listened to, I listened to a different podcast and they were talking about a, a rectory. And they decided to to show that they're moving away from dick and fart jokes. <laughs> they're like, Rector, damn near, gave her a high-paying job in the corporate world. <laughs> <laughs> so every time they said it, they would come up with something. Rector, damn near, gave her swimming lessons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, it affects the innermost lighting of your colon. Symptoms are usually going to develop over time rather than suddenly. So ulcerative colitis can be debilitating and can sometimes lead to life-threatening complications. So while there's no known cure, treatment can greatly reduce the signs and symptoms of the disease and even bring about long-term remission. So a key thing about remission is remission and cure are two different things. Remission Mm -hmm. is essentially, I have the disease, I am symptom-free. Cure is the disease is gone. Right. So that's kind of the way to think of them. So anyway, symptoms. Well, serotonin colitis symptoms can vary uh, depending on the severity of inflammation and where it occurs because your colon's quite long. Uh, science <laughs> symptoms may include diarrhea, and that's often going to have blood or pus in it. Uh, abdominal pain and Which, real quick, ew. Yeah, gosh. The, I yeah. Think, it, you know what's weird is the blood didn't bother me. The pus did. No, it was the pus. Yeah, yeah. that's God, we're fucked. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> abdominal pain and cramping. That's never fun. Rectal pain and rectal bleeding. Uh, urgency to defecate. Uh, inability to defecate despite the urgency. Weight loss, fatigue, fever. And in children, this can actually be a failure to grow. Growth can be stunted. So so real quick. So what we're going to be talking about with the ulcerative colitis and the Crohn's disease next. These are IBD. Inflammatory bowel diseases, which is different than uh, IBS. Right. So, just so you know, there is a difference between those two. Yep. 
so most people with ulcerative colitis, most people with ulcerative colitis have mild <laughs> to moderate symptoms. Uh, the course of ulcerative colitis may vary, and some people, uh, with some people having long periods of remission. So the types. So doctors often are going to classify ulcerative colitis according to where it's at in your colon uh, or your rectum. So the types of ulcerative colitis are going to include. You have uh, ulcerative proctitis. This is inflammation is confined to the area that's closest to the anus, uh, anus. <laughs> and, uh, is this payback for uh, Hugh Pyle? It is. <laughs> and the problem is I was just going to casually move a log, but I couldn't, so I left. Uh, and rectal bleeding may be the only sign of this disease. So this form of ulcerative colitis tends to be the mildest. So then you have... Uh, Proctosigmoiditis. Uh, inflammation involves the rectum and the sigmoid colon. That's the lower end of the colon. Uh, signs and symptoms. So if you say that accidentally, is it a sigmoid colon? A, sigmo a sigmoidian flip. Sigmoid colon slip. A sigmoidian flip. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to the same place. Uh, I was also, oh God, who are the, the lion tamers? Oh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, Sigmoid and Roy. <laughs> and yes, I said Roy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so signs and symptoms include bloody diarrhea, abdominal cramps, pain, and the inability to move the bowels in spite of the urge to do so. Uh, Left-sided colitis. They, come on. Well, you, get, you're not going to give the name for not for having an urge for not moving it? Yeah, uh, tenismus. There you go. Yeah. I just like the word. It is a nice word. <laughs> left-sided colitis. Come on, guys. Get creative. I'm sorry. How do you follow up proctosigmoiditis with left-side colitis? We know which no one idea. of these. Yeah, we know which one of these. You really need. Yeah, you need. I think proctoid uh, sigmoiditis has got to be down. Yeah, it's got to be past pancolitis. What? Well, if you're going to do these in an order, you need to build. Yeah, exactly. So they would need to move that down below pancolitis to proctosigmoiditis. Yeah. You know. Left-sided colitis should have been the first one. But anyway, <laughs> inflammation in left-sided colitis, inflammation extends from the rectum up through the sigmoid and descending colon. Signs and symptoms include bloody diarrhea, abdominal cramping, and pain on the left side, uh, and unintended weight loss. So That happens to me a lot. I know. It's tragic. Um, <laughs> pancolitis. So pancolitis uh, often affects the entire colon, and it's going to cause bouts of bloody diarrhea. And these can actually be very <laughs> severe, can cause abdominal cramps and pain, fatigue, and significant unintended weight loss. Uh, acute severe ulcerative colitis. This is a rare form of colitis and it affects the entire colon as well. And it also causes severe pain, profuse diarrhea, bleeding, fever, and inability to eat. So Mark, why don't you hit up some causes Smooth. while I go refill my water because I am parched. <laughs> so causes, the exact cause of ulcerative colitis should never really hung on the Hugh pylori thing. Uh, remain unknown. Uh, previously, diet and stress were suspected, but now doctors know that these factors aggravate it, but don't actually cause ulcerative colitis. One possible cause is an immune system malfunction, where your immune system tries to fight off invading viruses and bacterium. Uh, an abnormal immune response causes the immune system to attack the cells in the digestive tract, so this would be an autoimmune disease. Heredity seems to play a role in the ulcerative colitis. And it's more common, ulcerative colitis, and it's more common people who have family members with the disease. However, most people with ulcerative colitis don't have this family history. Huh. Okay. Um, see, that makes me wonder. So, if you have a higher chance of getting it with a family member who has the disease, then how could most people with ulcerative colitis 
don't have a, this family history. Hmm. Anyway, risk factors. Ulcerative colitis affects the same number of women and men. I wonder if that's like down to like the numbers. Like, well, wait, we got 62 guys. We're going to have to hold back on the women or you know, hold back on the guys for a little bit, <laughs> you know, because we can't have 62 and not have 62 females. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't want to be unequal. Right. Risk factors may include age. Ulcerative colitis uh, usually begins before the age of 30, but it can occur at any age, and some people may not develop until the age of after 60. Wraith or ethnicity. Although uh, Caucasian people have the highest risk of the, of the disease, it can occur in any race. If you're an Ashkenazi, What about Jewish a foot descent? race? Boom, cha. What? Sorry, you said, uh, although whites have the highest uh, risk of this disease, it can occur in any race. And I said, what about a foot race? Oh, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It's fine. <laughs> so if you're a, of Ashkenazi Jewish descent, your risk is even higher. It's interesting. Hmm. Uh, so we just, you were gone, but we talked about this in the previous paragraph. If you have a family history of it, you're at a higher risk of developing it. But then the final sentence of that is, however, most people with ulcerative colitis don't have this family history. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I pondered that for a minute. It was it great makes dinner sense. time for the listeners, you know. Oh, good. So ulcerative colitis treatments usually involve either drug therapy or surgery. Ooh. Several categories of drugs may be effective in treating ulcerative colitis. The type, will take, uh, the type you take will depend on the severity of your condition and its location. The drugs that work well for some people may not work for others, so it may take time to find the medication that helps you. 5-aminosalic acid, or 5-ASA, is often the first step to treat ulcerative colitis. Examples of this include sulfasalazine, mesalamine, mesalamine, uh, balls of... <laughs> No, no. Keep balls a little side. Uh, let's just go with colazol. Uh, <laughs> balls. <laughs> balls. All. That should be the trade name instead of colazol. I think. It should be balls all. <laughs> you'd remember it. I yeah, think it's balsalazide is what that you know, is. You see that, the guy at the, uh, at, the, um, at the pharmacy? Yeah, I'm here to pick up my balls all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. What was that? You need your what? I need my ball. Did you say balls all? <laughs> all right. Quick story. <laughs> Driving to a call I'm once. I'm very interested to see how you go with a quick story after balls off. Oh, no. The part I'm going after is where you're talking about the guy who tried to whisper to the pharmacist. Oh, okay. Uh, so, is this a personal story? Uh, yes, but it's not about a pharmacist. It's about a dispatcher. Oh. Uh, so, we were heading to a care facility once. More than once in my career, actually. But anyway, uh, we're heading there, and we're going code one, and it's a sick person, and it's just ambulance only. And we're going... And dispatcher comes on and goes, yeah, you guys are going to uh, here and you're going to pick up this person. Uh, they have, and then he stops and pauses and he just goes, uh, yeah, just a sick person going to go up to uh, the university. It's like, okay. <laughs> I know this story. Yeah. And so <clears throat> the page comes across and on the page says exactly what this person has. It says this person has a cyst on their labia. Now, me being me, I look at it, I come back and said, hey, can we get a read back on uh, on this? The page came across scrambled. Uh, it did not come across scrambled. <laughs> I wanted to make him say it. And he comes back on, he goes, uh, yeah, Medic 1251, uh, the patient has a cyst on there. 
So, yeah, so he mumbles out the word labia. But of course, I hear it and I pretend I don't. And like I need him to repeat it. So I come back on. And I say, yeah, could you uh, please repeat your last uh, dispatch? And then there's a long pause. And then dispatch just comes over. Does it come over like Meta Control 5-1 and then continues? He just comes over and the only thing goes, he goes, labia. And that is all <laughs> he says. Now, as it turns out. That pause was because he had to turn around and ask the other dispatchers who were female what a labia was. <laughs> and this is the part of the story that I did not know and was fantastic. And Mark actually has a part of the story as well because he heard this going on while he was on duty on a different car. I was working with another medic who was a very, very, you know, she seems like a real mom type. She seems very sweet. She's just as dirty as the rest of us. Yeah. And we had a... A uh, 17-year-old high school rider who's part of a health careers class, they will uh, come out and do ride-alongs on the ambulance for the day. So, I'm laughing. I'm driving. My partner's charting. Uh, I hear this all go down. I'm laughing. And then I hear from the back of the ambulance where the third rider's sitting, what's that? And so, I'm like, <laughs> uh, assist? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the question, Mark. And she goes, no, the other thing. So I'm thinking, what's a, what's a term that a 17-year-old female would know? I went, um, her lips? And there's, huh? And my partner sitting there charting just goes, downstairs. <laughs> and then you hear from the back, uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, so okay. our uh, our dispatcher had to uh, <laughs> have explained to him what the labia, the labia was. was, which I told him later that he should just go back and apologize to all his girlfriends at that point. <laughs> right. So, and then the last medication would be Olsalazine. <laughs> uh, which one you take and whether it's taken by mouth or as an enema suppository. for quite a while. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, whether you take it by, by mouth or PO or orally or suppository depends on the area of your colon that is affected. Corticosteroids. Uh, these are drugs which include prednisone, uh, bedicinide, or ulcerous, or ulcerous, are generally reserved for moderate to severe ulcerative colitis or ulcerative colitis. Due to the side effects, uh, they're not usually given for a long term. Your immunomodulator drugs. So we were talking about how this uh, is thought to be an autoimmune disease. These drugs also help reduce inflammation, uh, they, but they do so by suppressing the immune system response that starts uh, the process of the inflammation. So you would have azathioprine or uh, mercaputurin. Hey, you know how fucking thrilled I am that you're getting the words this time around that suck? <laughs> Uh, taking these medications requires for you to follow up closely with your doctor and have your blood checked regularly to look for side effects, uh, including effects in the liver. Uh, you could be taking uh, cyclosporin, uh, which is Gengraf or Noriel or Sandimune. These drugs may be used for people who can't respond or don't haven't responded well to other medications. And again, it's not a long-term use. <clears throat> then you have Zeljans, <laughs> which is Tofaxitinib. Me too. Yeah. Uh, this drug has been recently approved for the treatment of conditions such as ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, and psoriatic arthritis. Then uh, biologics. These are treatments that are used to treat the ulcerative colitis through suppressing the immune system. Uh, infliximab, which is Remicade. 
uh, Adalim Mamad, Mamad, <laughs> Humera. Everybody knows Humera. It's on the TV. It's on the commercials. Golemumab, which is Symponi. Uh, these drugs ca- are called tumor necrosis factor or TNF inhibitors and work by neutralizing I'm a TNF. Oi, oi. And work by neutralizing a protein produced by your immune system. I'm sorry, everybody, that you have to listen to that. (laughs) Hey, they choose. They know what they're getting into this one. The only ones we should really apologize to are people who have never heard another episode. That's true. And this is their first one. Yeah. So for you noobs, please keep listening. (laughs) Um, Then you're going to have Antivio. Antivio. Which is is, uh, Vendolizumab. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Vendolizumab. There's no end in there. Yeah. Uh, this gut-specific medication works by blocking inflammatory cells from getting to the site of the inflammation. I'm sorry, but this road's blocked. <laughs> You're going to have to go around. There's going to be a, if you head back up to like, you know, the uh, portal vein and you make a left. <laughs> anyway, surgery. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Surgery can often eliminate ulcerative colitis by the means of removing the colon that's affected. Elimination. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they can remove your entire colon and rectum, a protocolorectomy. Seems like a cop-out to me. Hmm. Ah, we can't fix it. Just pull it out. Just yeah, just, just get rid of I it. I did the same thing when my shock's racking up on my car. Yeah. I just took them out. Exactly. Okay. You actually go to Napa to get the surgery. <laughs> In most cases, this involves a procedure called an ileal pouch or anatomosis. Anal anastomosis. And remember uh, these because anast- make them up later. Uh, uh, huh? Anal anast- anastomosis. You skip the anal. Oh, I didn't know. Look Which you I, usually do. I, I blocked out the anal. <laughs> I don't. Do we need? Mm, hang it. Never mind. <laughs> just so again, for the new people, I just really want to apologize. <laughs> the rest of you sick bastards that keep listening to us. Hey, you know what you're yeah, getting Yeah, exactly. At this point, you guys need to be checked out more than we do. <laughs> Which is worse, the people who say it or the people who enjoy listening right. to it? Right, exactly. Huh, it's weird, Chris. They never seem to be going down again. Uh, <laughs> this procedure eliminates the need to wear a bag or collect stool. Your surgeon constructs a pouch from the end of your small intestine. The pouch is then attached directly to your anus. Um, <laughs> Not Neptune. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a long pouch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, allowing you to expel waste relatively normally. In some cases, a, in some cases, a pouch is not possible. Instead, surgeons create permanent opening in your abdomen, an ileal stoma, uh, through which the stool passes and collected in an attached bag. Had a call one time, uh, went out as a public assist for the fire department, and then we got called about half an hour later. And this elderly man had gone in to use the bath or use the shower and had turned on the water, sat down to change out his colostomy bag, <coughs> which is very similar. Then got because it started heating up in there and it got very humid, he got too weak to get up and he couldn't reach the replacement colostomy bag, and he'd already taken the other one off and thrown it away. <clears throat> so he'd been sitting there for about 45 minutes with just raw stool falling out the side of his stomach onto the floor. Ooh. So when we got there, uh, most of the firefighters were wearing their SCBAs. Yeah. And they had the power vents blowing air into the actual <laughs> apartment because it was really quite the That's aer- aromatic situation. That's going to be rough. Yes. I feel I feel so, bad for uh, that guy though. That's oh no no absolutely he was a sweet man he was apologizing I'm like dude don't apologize man it's okay shit, <laughs> you know, shit happens you didn't you didn't, literally all over the floor right. uh, 
Then also, uh, you'll need to frequent. You'll need more frequent screening for colon cancer because of your increased risk with this. Right. Uh, the recommended schedule will depend on the location of the disease and how long you've had it. Mm-hmm. So that is ulcer- ulcerative colitis. Yeah. So Crohn's disease, which for the longest time I thought made you get a big long nose and get warts on it and then cackle. Yeah, that 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 is <laughs> that is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, uh, cro- so end of show. <laughs> right. <laughs> and toast. Uh, so Crohn's disease causes inflammation in part of your digestive system. So Crohn's can affect any part of it, but most often it's going to affect your small intestine and colon. Crohn's and like we just talked about ulcerative colitis, they belong to a group of diseases, like we mentioned earlier, uh, known as inflammatory bowel disease. So there's no cure, but treatment can ease your symptoms and help you enjoy a full active life. So, the symptoms are chronic diarrhea, often bloody, containing mucus or pus. Again, Ew. you know. Uh, excuse me. Uh, weight loss, fever, abdominal pain, and tenderness. And I don't mean your abdomen is just sensitive to feelings. It means it's actually tender, like when you <laughs> eat it. So anyway, uh, feeling of a mass or fullness in the abdomen and rectal bleeding. Complications, as if that wasn't enough. Uh, Crohn's can cause two types of severe complications. So there's local, and those are complications that are just going to affect the intestines. And then there's systemic complications. Anything, Anytime anything is systemic, that means it affects your entire body. You also might hear them called uh, extra-intestinal complications, which means outside of the intestine. Or extraterrestrial complications, which is when your Crohn's disease actually affects beings from other planets. Absolutely. That's a pretty severe case. This mm-hmm. is why aliens won't visit us, though. <laughs> the susceptibility to Crohn's. every time they get nearby someone's got to mm-hmm. they, get, they get diarrhea they have to turn around yeah so uh local complications of why are we weird uh local complications of crohn's <laughs> include uh an abscess so an abscess this is going to be a pocket of pus that happens uh from a bacterial infection and it can form on the walls of your intestine and it can bulge out you might get one near your anus that looks like a boil Oy, excuse my yawn what is wrong with you that you can yawn your way through this? I don't know, man. I'm sorry, are we, is your anal fissures and everything like that just uh, boring you, Chris? Hey, Mark, <laughs> earlier I retrained someone's dog to have your name. This is nothing. <laughs> I once tried to buy a fake cheese wheel from someone at Fred Meyer's by convincing them it was a real cheese wheel and for sale at their store that they worked at. <laughs> I even judged the cheese wheel and asked them if they rotated it. <laughs> I then told them I wouldn't pay them $100 for it because it has not been rotated, clearly. That's actually not a joke. I did this. Yeah, did you get escorted from the building? No. Oh, <laughs> I wow. didn't. They thought I was right. They just thought I really knew my cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually literally went up. There's a cheese wheel. And uh, so <clears throat> Fred Myers, we are not affiliated with him in any way, nor do they sponsor this show nor would they ever want to. Um, but uh, they have some of the Fred Myers, they really pride themselves on, they have these little like cheese stations where you can get like all sorts of the fanciest cheeses. And they do actually sell uh, quarter or whole cheese wheels. However, they also have on display, they'll have cheese kind of like on top of a fake cheese wheel. And you just buy the cheese that's on top of it. And the cheese wheel is clearly fake. Uh, well, it's not clearly fake. But uh, it's if you touch it, it's clearly plastic. And so I'm sitting there and I kind of look at this thing and I decide, for whatever reason, I'm going to try and buy this cheese wheel. And so I asked, said, hey, how much for the cheese wheel? And that's just kind of where I just started kind of joking. And then I realized that the person working there does not realize this is a fake cheese wheel. 
And she's like, oh, I don't know how much for that full cheese wheel. And I'm like, I got her. And my next question goes, well, who's your cheese guy? And she's like, I don't, I mean, well, you mean like who orders it? I'm like, yeah, your cheese guy. Like who's in contact with your cheeseries? And uh, she's just like, I, I don't. You say cheesery? I did say cheesery. <laughs> <laughs> and so she goes, and, so she just goes and gets her manager, which is just apparently the produce manager oversees this section. Do you think it'd be the dairy manager? But it's not. And he comes over <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I was uh, going to ask, do you guys rotate your cheese wheels? Do you flip them on sides so that it doesn't condense on one side or the other? And he goes, no, I really don't think we do. And I'm like, gosh, I'm like, I was interested in buying that whole cheese wheel there, but I don't think I could pay you more than $100 for it. And I doubt you guys would accept that because you guys probably paid more than that. Long story short, <laughs> there's probably a Fred Myers out there that now rotates cheese wheels. And I have no fucking idea if they're supposed to do that or not, but they seem to really believe me. <laughs> Okay, Google. Okay, Google. Do you need to rotate a cheese wheel? Here are some things you can do when your phone's offline. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the show. All right. So we have the abscess that we just talked about. It can cause some swelling, tenderness, pain, can even cause a fever. Uh, bile salt diarrhea. So Crohn's disease most often affects the ileum, which is the lower end of your intestine. And this part usually absorbs bile acids, which actually come from your gallbladder. Uh, well, it's concentrated in your gallbladder, uh, which your body creates to help it absorb fat. If your body can't process the fat, you can get this type of diarrhea. Fissure. This is a painful te uh, tear in the lining of the anus or the anus. Uh, it can cause bleeding during bowel movements. Uh, fistula. These are sores or ulcers can turn into openings called fistulas that connect two parts of your intestine. They can also tunnel into nearby tissues like the bladder, the vagina, and the skin. Uh, malabsorption and malnutrition. Crohn's affects your small intestine, the part of your body that absorbs nutrients from food. So after you've had it for a long time, your body may no longer be able to make the most of what you eat. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. Your gut is full of bacteria that help you break down food. When this happens higher up in your digestive tract than normal, you can get gas, bloating, belly pain, and diarrhea. Strictures. These narrowed, thickened areas of your intestines result from the inflammation that comes with Crohn's. They can be mild, they can be severe, depending on how much of your intestine is actually blocked. Symptoms include cramping, abdominal pain, and bloating. So, Chris. Yes. I can find nothing about the need to rotate a cheese wheel unless you're in the act of cutting it with a cheese wire. Yeah. Well, I made it up, so. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, although the third option that does come down is what's the right, right way to rotate your tires. <laughs> I just hope they rotate cheese wheels at this Fred Myers now. Yeah, you got to rotate every 12 hours. Flip them. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a one of those sign off sheets like they have outside the bathrooms for the last time I was checked. <laughs> exactly. Got to initial it. <laughs> Can't let the value of these cheese wheels degrade. Uh, anyway. No. So systemic complications do include arthritis. This is going to be some joint inflammation, and that's going to lead to pain, swelling, lack of flexibility. That's the most common systemic complication. There are three types of three types of arthritis that can come with Crohn's. So you have peripheral. This is the type that affects large joints in your arms and legs, elbows, knees, wrists, ankles. You have axial. This is the type that's going to affect your spine or your lower back. Um, the doctor will call it your sacroiliac joint. Um, 
Ooh. Uh, ankylosing spondylitis? Yeah, ankylosing sp- spondylitis. Uh, this is a more serial type, uh, serial, serious type of spinal arthritis, <laughs> and it's rare among... Mom, can I have ankylosing spondylitis this morning? I'm just tired of the... Crap, I can't even... I just blanked on a cereal. <laughs> you know, Mark, uh, my kids prefer uh, frosted ankylosing uh, spondylitis. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, this uh, more serious type of spinal arthritis is rare among people with Crohn's, but it can happen. So, uh, it can lead to inflammation in your eyes, lungs, and your heart valves. So, skin problems. These are the second most common systemic complications, and they most often are linked to Crohn's... Uh, those most often linked to Crohn's disease include... Uh, urethemia not, nodosum. Uh, these are sp- nodosum. What? Yeah. Nodosum. Nodosum. Sure. Uh, oh, these yeah. small, tender red uh, nodules usually show up on your <laughs> shins, ankles, and sometimes your arms. I'm going to step away for a second. You go ahead. Okay. Uh, pyroderma gangrenosum. These pus-filled oh, sores often follow uh, an injury or other skin trauma. They often appear on your legs and can show up anywhere. You slow. You flowed right through that, man. You kill all my. <laughs> I'm like, why is he saying "damn it"? Is something going on back there? <laughs> no, because you, you nailed pyroma gangrene. I know. I was pretty proud of myself too. I'm like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I was sweating right up until I got to know some, and I'm like, got it. Uh, but anyway, uh, skin tags. So these are small flaps of skin that are common in people with Crohn's, especially around the anus uh, or hemorrhoids. Uh, mouth ulcers. You might hear them called canker sores, uh, but they form between your gum and your lower lip or along the sides and bottoms of your tongue. Now, there are or tongue. a number of reasons you can get a canker sore. This is one. Of right, them. exactly. Just because you have a canker sore doesn't mean you have Crohn's. So right. vitamin D deficiency. If your body cannot absorb vitamin D because of Crohn's disease damages the small intestine, uh, you're less likely to be able to absorb calcium and make bone. Uh, eye problems. Over time, the inflammation in Crohn's or sometimes the other complications that come with it can actually affect your eyes. And common conditions can include... The uh, episcleritis, uh, inflammation of the area just below the, con- the the conjunctiva. That's the clear tissue that covers the inside of your eyelids and the whites of your eyes. Uh, conjunctivitis or pink eye, that's what it affects, is the most common complication of Crohn's. It can affect one eye, it can affect both eyes. You'll notice pain, itching, burning, and intense redness, uh, but it's not going to hurt your vision. You have scleritis. Uh, this is a condition that causes constant pain that gets worse when you move your eyes. And then you have... That would be horrible. What? That would be horrible. That would, yeah, that would not be great. Every time you moved your eyes, it made the pain worse. I move my eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I put them in my pockets. Sometimes I put them. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever see, um, oh, what was the name of the movie? It was a spoof movie on the, fuck, I can't remember it. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, so you got uh, uveitis. Uh, this is a painful Im- inflammation of the uvea. This is the middle layer of your eye, and it can cause blurry vision, light sensitivity, and redness. So you can also have kidney problems. So these organs can be affected by Crohn's because they play a role in processing waste, and they're located near your intestine. Some of the potential issues can include kidney stones. Uh, that is a common problem, actually, with Crohn's. A salt called oxalate uh, gets absorbed into your kidneys and can then turn into stones. Uric acid stones. These kidney stones form because your body can't absorb all the uric acid that it makes. Uh, hydronephrosis. This happens when the ileum, uh, which is where the small intestine meets the large, swells from Crohn's and puts pressure on your ureter. Uh, fistulas. In addition to forming within your intestines, fistulas, fistulas can also form between the intestine and other organs like the bladder or the ureter. 
So how is Crohn's disease diagnosed? Mark, take it away. Your doctor might want to do some lab tests. Now, a lot of these are going to be very similar to what we heard earlier. Um, oh, actually, we did, I don't know if we got into disregard that. So you're going to get blood tests that include blood, uh, blood counts, stool samples to rule out infections of the cause of the diarrhea, uh, image testing or endoscopy. Your doctor may uh, might send you to a specialist called a gastroenterologist to get one of these. One of them is a balloon-assisted enteros- ento- enteroscopy. Me too. Entero- yeah. Uh, this test uses a balloon that will inflate and deflate to pull a flexible tube called an endoscope through your small intestine. And there's a teeny tiny camera on the end, uh, one end that gives you a view of the inside of your gut. Unless you're a real man, then you can take a larger camera. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we talked uh, last week, didn't we, Chris? Because you listened to the episode. Yeah, obviously. About a capsule endoscopy. So what is that, Chris? Well, obviously a a capsule uh, endoscopy (laughs) is, uh, it's an an endoscopy where, basically it's a camera that goes in a capsule you swallow. Right. And you thought and so, I wasn't going to fucking know that, did you? Well, no. I knew you didn't know it. I also knew that you would be able to bullshit your way through yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did bullshit my way through that. <laughs> that you had enough information <laughs> to be able to put together what it was. It's quite frankly, oh, Mark. I, saw a thing, I, I shared a thing on Facebook. It was a guy wearing a t-shirt that said there's two types of people in this world. One that can extrap- uh, extrap- extrapolate information from or extrapolate situations from incomplete data. And that's all it says on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and this caption below says, two people in my class asked our teacher today if, there were, if they was missing the second part of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, it's basically a small camera, endoscopy camera in a capsule that you swallow, and it will uh, send video back as it goes through your colon. The downside of this, A, the upside is it's smaller, it's not as invasive. The downside is it's a one-time use sort of thing, because trust me, you're not going to put it back in your mouth and try it a second time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we need to run that again. Yeah, well, then you need to get a new capsule, okay? (laughs) Or at least wash that one. (laughs) Really well. Let's scrub it. Uh, Colonoscopy or a sigmoidoscopy. Uh, These give the doctor a clear picture of your intestines and lets them take a a tissue sample to study. Uh, you can also get a CT scan or a computed tomography scan. Uh, this text test uses x-rays to make detailed images of your internal organs. So, treatment. The medications for uh, for Crohn's disease are very similar to the uh, ulcerative colitis medications. Well, they have a lot of the same symptoms. Right. And it's a lot of the same problems, but it's just uh, the Crohn's disease is much more wide-ranging. Yes. You know. Uh, surgery, about 65 to 75% of the people uh, will need uh, with Crohn's disease will need surgeries. So that's a huge percentage. Surgery is not done to treat complications of the disease. Uh, I'm sorry. Surgery is done to treat complications of the disease or when medications don't help. Uh, the common procedures are the anamostosis. I did not forget the anal that time. <laughs> Uh, the surgeon removes the diseased part of the bowel and joins two healthy ends together. The surgery can allow many people to remain symptom-free for years, but isn't a cure. Crohn's disease often comes back at the site of anastosis. And then the ileostomy. Uh, you might need this if your rectum is diseased and the doctor can't use it for an anastosis. The procedure connects your intestine to the skin of your torso. Uh, this results in an opening in the skin that can collect waste projects through a special pouch when, that you empty. I go get 
for an autoimmune disease, I go get a medication every six weeks. It's the Remicade or the Infliximab. And we were talking about, I was talking to the nurses. It was a really slow day. I was the only one in there. Um, I was talking about the different uses for this medication. Well, we were all talking about them. And uh, one of the ladies had been a nurse for many, many years. And she had a patient with Crohn's disease come in. And how you get started on Remicade, this is an infusion. takes a couple hours. So I have to go actually go up to the hospital, do this every six weeks. Uh, usually you take one dose. Two weeks later, you take another dose. Four weeks after that, you take a third dose. And then you go back every four to eight weeks, depending on your symptoms, to get a redose. Okay. Uh, she said that this lady came in. She had really bad Crohn's disease. She, you know, the, the people with Crohn's disease, they tend to not eat. They tend to be very, not emaciated, but they're very, very skinny just because Eating causes problems. Eating is uncomfortable, so they avoid it. Right. Um, She was in the middle of her second dose, and she was sitting there, and she looked at her husband. She goes, I'm hungry. He's like, sorry, what did you just say? She goes, are we allowed to order a pizza? (laughs) And the Remicade. Yes, ma'am. They were like, they were like, uh... We don't have a problem with it. Let us call your doctor really quick, yeah. you know, and just make sure we've never seen anything like this before. So uh, they called the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, I mean, physically, there's nothing to stop her from eating the pizza. Um, he goes, the only thing I would say would be maybe make it a cheese pizza, you know, for the first time. Yeah. yeah know, don't overdo just having it, you that, know? Right. You know, he's like, just because, you know, you, when you change your diet tremendously, it will change the uh, flora in your colon and you will cause severe diarrhea. This is why if you, and this is one thing that drives me crazy, you know, if you're going to, I'm going to go on a cleanse. Oh, fuck off. And then people are like, well, obviously it's working because I've been pooping my brains out. And I was, well, you're not pooping your brains out because you're cleansing anything. You're pooping your brains out because you changed the flora in your intestine yeah. and your body's not reacting to it well. But yeah, so she ordered, uh, she actually got a, um, Canadian bacon pizza. They figured that was tame enough. What she wanted, she wanted like a pepperoni salami, you know. But they went with a yeah, they ordered a pizza up there. And like her husband was crying as she's sitting there enjoying this pizza because she had just never really been one to eat ever or take enjoyment out of food. Yeah. That's amazing. So. It's nice. Yeah. She, uh. So, uh, what food, what does, what role does food play in Crohn's disease? While foods don't appear to cause the Crohn's disease, soft, bland foods may cause less discomfort than spicy or high fiber foods when the disease is active. Most doctors try to be flexible in planning the diets of their Crohn's disease patients. You might try an elimination diet, which you can help you figure out which true uh, food triggers your Crohn's symptoms. You'll remove something from your diet one at a time to see what happens. But if you're going to do this, Work with your doctor or a dietitian to make sure that you're not missing out on an. Damn it. Apparently I deleted something. No, uh, you're not missing out on nutrients that you do need. You don't want to be not eating a specific type of food and you're actually causing more damage. Right. Exactly. So, so the differences between these two, between the ulcerative colitis and the Crohn's <clears throat> disease. Um, for the ulcerative colitis, uh, limited to the large intestine, the colon and the rectum. Uh, with Crohn's disease, inflammation may develop anywhere in the GI tract from the mouth to the anus. To the anus. Right. Anus. <laughs> Sounds like an Egyptian god. Doesn't it? Yeah. All pray to the great anus. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> What's he the god of? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> 
Do you ever see Pink Floyd, The Wall? Yes. The actual movie where the uh, judge at the end, would that be the great god of news? I think, you know what? <laughs> yes. Yes. For our purposes, absolutely. Uh, also, if Claudius of Kerr appears in a continuous pattern, whereas Crohn's disease can be intermittent or may appear in patches. Ulcerative colitis occurs in the rectum and colon involving part or the entire colon, whereas Crohn's disease most often occurs at the end of the small intestine. Crohn's disease, uh, I'm sorry, ulcerative colitis, inflammation occurs on the innermost lining of the intestine, whereas with Crohn's disease, that may extend throughout the entire thickness of the bowel wall. And in ulcerative colitis, about 30 people are in, re- uh, 30% of people are in remission. And... <coughs> Uh, with Crohn's disease, about 67 people in remission will have at least one relapse over the f- next five years. Oh, goodness. Yes. So. All right. So, diverticulitis. So, diverticulitis is an infection or inflammation of pouches that can form in your intestines. So, these pouches are called, get this, diverticula. <clears throat> diverticuli, diverticuli. Uh, so, the pouches generally aren't harmful. They can show up anywhere in your intestines. And if you have them, it's called diverticulosis. Uh, they become inflamed. If they become infected or inflamed, you have diverticulitis. So, uh, symptoms of diverticulitis you can have the pouches and not know it. The diverticula are usually painless and they cause few symptoms if any at all, but you might notice cramping on the left side of your abdomen that goes away after you pass gas or have a bowel movement, which is like every time I have to fart. Um, <laughs> bright red blood in your poop is another deal. Uh, diverticulitis symptoms are more noticeable and include severe abdominal pain and fever. So diverticulitis can be acute or it can be chronic. With the acute form, you may have one or more severe attacks of infection or inflammation. Uh, with chronic, Uh, inflammation and infection may go down, but it never really clears up completely. So over time, the inflammation can lead to a bowel obstruction, which may cause constipation, thin stools, diarrhea, bloating, and belly pain. If the- I always enjoy descriptions that have like both ends of the spectrum in them. Oh, yeah. Could cause constipation, could cause diarrhea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It could cause nothing at all, or could cause it all at once. Who knows? You know, you come across a new medication on scene, so you look it up, you're like, could cause hypertension, could cause hypotension. <laughs> so, really? Right, exactly. So, really, no help. Uh, so, if the right. obstruction continues, abdominal pain and tenderness will increase. And you may feel sick to your stomach, and you might even throw up. So, causes of diverticulitis. So, the pouches on your intestine get inflamed or infected when they tear or become blocked by poop. Uh, your chances of getting diverticulitis rise with age, and it's more common in people over 40. Other risk factors are going to include being overweight, smoking cigarettes. Again, stop smoking, Again. stop using tobacco, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> not getting enough exercise, eating lots of fat and red meat, but not a whole lot of fiber, taking certain kinds of drugs, including steroids, opioids, uh, and then uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, inf- blah, anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, naproxen, aspirin. Uh, so complications, Mark, take it away. Uh, complications of diverticulitis. If you don't treat it, diverticulitis can lead to a serious complication that requires surgery. Abscesses, collections of pus from the infection may form around the infected diverticula. Diverticuli, diverticuli. (laughs) If these go through your intestine wall, you could get peritonitis, which is an infection of the peritoneal lining that your, uh, that surrounds your, uh, everything in your stomach. 
your kidneys, just as a side note, are retroperitoneal, not meaning that they do stuff like the uh, peritoneum did back in the 70s. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. It means actually but... behind it. <laughs> uh, but it means that they're actually outside the peritoneal lining. So peritonitis is an inflammation of that. And peritonitis is bad because if you're getting peritonitis, it means there's a bunch of infection in your gut just roaming around doing whatever. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like uh, a legitimate uh, concept of uh, female hysteria with a roaming uterus. <laughs> That's bullshit. But peritonitis <clears throat> is the same thing. It's roaming infection around your abdomen. And it's very real. This infection can be fatal. And you need to get treatment right away. And for those of you that want to know uh, what we're referencing, uh, we had <laughs> we uh, we did an episode that um, it was medical myths and not it wasn't the med myths episode, but it was basic basically like bullshit that people used to believe. They were uh, old, like old, yeah. It was old medical concepts that are no longer valid in any way, shape. Yeah, or and form. one of them was that uh, the woman's uterus well, women would move are around. Very st- right, and it would cause female hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> Which led to them going to the doctor and getting masturbated, which led to a doctor inviting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not what they called it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, they, it was relieving the female hysteria, uh, which led to one doctor uh, inventing the vibrator because uh, his hand and arm was getting tired. <laughs> yeah. The so. laziness of men knows no uh, bounds. Ah, <laughs> uh, history. <laughs> um Perforating or tearing in the intestinal wall can lead to abscesses and infection because of the leaking uh, or the waste leaking into the abdominal cavity, which will again give you peritonitis. Scarring, which can lead to a stricture or a blockage of the intestine, and then fistulas can develop if an infected diverticulum uh, reach a nearby organ and forms a connection. Like, oh, we're both Libra. <laughs> like, well, uh, my page. brain went the exact same spot immediately. <laughs> if you like pina coladas. <laughs> I can't sleep and with that cause goddamn and song going pain. with it. <laughs> oh, I just can't get to sleep because that song is playing in my abdomen all fucking night long. Uh, the most often happen- this most often happens between the large intestine and the bladder. It can lead to a kidney infection. Fistulas can also form between the large intestine and either the skin or the vagina. Hmm. Uh, diverticulous diagnosis. Diverticulitis diagnosis. The symptoms of diverticulitis can also look like other problems, as we hear about a lot in medicine. Your doctor will narrow uh, things down by ruling out other issues. They can start with a physical exam. Women may get a pelvic exam, too. Your doctor may then order one or more of these tests, including blood, urine, and stool tests to look for infection, a CT to look for inflamed or infected diverticula, diverticula. <laughs> uh, liver enzyme test to rule. That's why I hear in my head every single time I read it. Uh, a liver enzyme test to rule out liver problems. Uh, diverticulitis treatments. Chris, this is it, dude. You want to do this? You want to bring it on home, Here big, it God, is. big daddy? So, diverticulitis do treatments. It. If your diverticulitis is mild, your doctor will suggest rest and a liquid diet while your intestines heal. They might also give you antibiotics to treat the infection. In more severe cases, however, you might need to stay in the hospital and take some antibiotics that are intravenous. Uh, that's injected into your veins. Uh, if you have an abdominal abscess, your doctor will drain it. If your intestine is ruptured and you have peritonitis, you will need surgery. So when you're healed, your doctor might give you a colonoscopy to rule out colon cancer. <laughs> Are you feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Doc, great. Bend over. <laughs> this is going to hurt. Uh, and relax. You can prevent <laughs> diverticulosis and diverticulitis and their complications by eating lots of fiber. 
drinking lots of water, and exercising regularly. Again, seems to be a theme in a lot of these you shows. You have an entire page that's just blank on the end of this. Like, it's an extra page. Yeah, yeah it's, I don't know, it was Google Docs did that for that me. That was nice of them. Yeah, because that was the end of my research Gotcha. There. So, yeah, that's what I got Ooh, on this, this information. Kind of a super episode today. Yeah, it's gonna it's long, and I I figured we would depending on how much it really came down to how much we digressed. Well, right, it really. <laughs> if did. we had digressed more, then we probably would have made this a, a three parter episode. But yeah, we were able to keep it relatively together. Yeah, and the, and the thing was is like all this information kind of flowed together, and it would have been really hard to split it up. Right. So yeah, good episode so, though, Mark, and it's good. Yeah, I think it's to good. be back on the show. Um, yeah. So. We want to thank everybody for listening again. The numbers are up and we are stoked. People are coming back and they're spreading the word. We've gotten, we've gotten a lot of really good emails lately. Have you, did you say you don't have the password to get into the email anymore? I've never had it. Yes, you have. I gave you all of them. Uh, if you, if it's the same, well, we'll talk about that a bit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we've had some really good emails. Um, people telling personal stories, uh, about, about things and stuff that happened to them or their loved ones. And, you know, we do love hearing from those. A lot of really good ideas. So we do appreciate that. We are having uh, just a great time doing the show. We did recently I have someone anyway. reach out to us and tell us that uh, our show helped them pass uh, their first responder exam, and which we were very proud of yes. that. That was very, very yes. cool. Cause that is, I've actually heard that. Uh, we, I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah. People are like, hey, we had a test. There was one on... I think it was, I want to say it was like um, Munchausen by proxy <laughs> and it helped them pass that part of the test, Good. <laughs> like on a psych test, you know, stuff like that. So, yes. So, uh, yes, please keep reaching out. Uh, I will respond to everybody if possible. It may take a little bit of time, but I do read them We all. just have so Sometimes many Sometimes I'm fans. reading them on the way to a call while, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're swamped. Yeah. Uh, we are coming up. We have passed 300,000 downloads. We're well on our way to 350,000 downloads. Overall. And I think that's just so, on our current server. Like if we included, we're probably right. over that. I would imagine overall time, including our old host. And now we're probably over the half million mark. Right. Our old host uh, had a significant problem where we lost six weeks of uh, numbers. Just And, and it was back. right after we started picking up too. Like it was not a good six right. weeks to lose. And yeah, our, our so. problem wasn't, I mean, our problem really wasn't that it happened. I mean, shit happens. The problem was the response of the company. So. Right. Well, it was, yeah. Anyway, moving on. We love you all listening. Uh, please, if you feel comfortable, give us a great review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to, because those help us show up on uh, on lists so that other people can find mm-hmm. us. A lot of you are emailing in, telling us they're spreading the word, and we love you for that. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at MedSideStuff, M-E-D-S-I-D-E-S-U-F-F. We are on Twitter. No, we're on <laughs> Instagram at MedicalStuff52. Yeah, the show was really long, but Frank got in this loop where he just kept telling us his Twitter name. Over yeah, we and stopped over. at an hour, and then three hours later, he stopped. <laughs> Chris didn't edit it out. He just uh, left it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did hear Chris laughing every yeah. few minutes. Um, we're on Instagram at MedicalStuff52, and we're on Facebook at MedicalStuff. If you'd like to send us an email, please do. We're at MedSideStuff at Yahoo.com. And thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next work week. And on that note... Toast. Toast.